Hey there, and welcome to episode number 119 of the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, myself and Chris Bellamy talk to David Gunger from The Brilliance, and if you are listening to this episode when it's released, you have one week to head over to thechurchcollective.com, look at the show notes for this episode, and you can download an MP3 and a chord chart from their latest album uh, from our friends over at weareworship.com. We're going to jump straight in, though, with the Church Collective Podcast, episode number 119. He started a podcast this fall to kind of pair with the album that would be able to uh, have each episode dive into a song, like the big idea of the song or the theme of it. Um, We have a guest on each week that usually deals with that idea, that big idea. Then um, I try to let the guest uh, be the main one that portrays that idea so we kind of get out of the way and then at the end they get to hear the actual song. Um, so for us, it's been something that um, feels really fun because it's another creative part of the album. Um, and it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, it's other it's other half, if you would. Um, sure. So we really enjoy it. I really enjoy podcasts. So it's been a really fun, creative endeavor. Yeah. I love the idea of like rather than just releasing an album like you actually took the time to unpack each song can you maybe speak to what would be the importance for somebody like if they're a songwriter to actually do something like that you know maybe it doesn't have to be a be in a big public way but at least like the thinking through yeah you know why what what's the point of the songs in the first place yeah i so for us um i probably overthink things sometimes um as far as like when when i'm trying to uh put together an album of like the order of the songs to what songs actually make a cut and why it's happening. So there is the album releases January 27th. It's called all is not lost. And uh, the major theme of the album is one of peacemaking. And so from that, we kind of, there's a, a bit of a, a liturgy or journey that kind of takes place on the album. Starting off from a place of opening is called O Earth. Uh, and it's kind of a, a, a hundred thousand foot view mm. of the album of what, how do you deal with pain and how do you deal with scars yeah. and trauma? And then from there, the album takes a posture of moving from like the hundred thousand foot view of, pain into the gift of life and seeing um seeing beauty in all of life and in um not only in our lives but in other people's lives and then it moves towards uh the idea of the divine and of the gift of life being one that's based on the trinity Hmm. um and so it ends in a place called all is not lost which uh the last line of that is we end the record with may the seeds of peace be scattered birthing trees whose shade give us rest. And it was from a place of this last um, summer, I got to go to Assisi uh, while on a trip to actually meet with Pope Francis. I went with a group of 30 uh, pastors to the Vatican where we got to ask Pope Francis questions for about two hours. And uh, while I was on that trip, I took a little silent retreat to Assisi and I had one of these, you know, moments that a lot of different people experience, a spiritual experience that uh, was in a CC. And I read that 
that quote, may the seeds of peace be scattered, birthing trees whose shade gives us rest. Hmm. And I was very drawn to it. And so uh, that was actually the last song that we wrote for the album was All Is Not Lost. I, I saw you guys play at, uh, I was teaching at the National Worship Leader Conference a couple years back, and I just happened to come in during your set, and I was blown away. Um, and I was just telling everybody, you got to hear these guys live, you know, it's just awesome. Um, and I was just wondering, like, is is the band, um, like, is there a set band, or is it kind of you and then people? players are kind of going in and out or you know how is that has it changed since then or yeah so uh technically the brilliance like the ones who own the music and write the music are myself and a guy named john art and then um both of our significant others are involved violin and viola and then one of our best friends uh is our cellist and then there's kind of a rotation or a collective um so we have a guitar player that normally plays with us uh, from Phoenix named Brennan Smiley. And we have a couple of different drummers, however. Uh, we try to, for the most part, um, especially in the albums, uh, usually it's always the same band. So sometimes for different events or different concerts, depending on the budget, um, the brilliance is a bit more of the band is John and then the rest is kind of a collect. What's your writing price process like? Yeah, yeah, that totally depends on uh, what the song is and what it's for. For us, um, John and I, because it's a a project that um, both of us own together, we just from the very beginning we kind of did a a Beatles type copy copy where it's like even if I write a song or just John writes a song, because we're always showing each other the music and kind of and going through it there's always a, a co-write with each other and then uh and that way we're never coming from a place of like oh well i wrote this you wrote that it just is like a, a 50 50 split hmm. however um we we try to especially when we're uh, co-writing with other people we try to uh get vo- other voices involved music of we love co-writing on this record uh it's mostly john and i and then there's a couple songs where we have um our child on from he just was there for the wedding and a lot of times he gives good ideas and then we co-wrote with uh matt marr for a couple of tunes and then we also co-wrote with uh for one of the songs with a guy named ben fielding from hell song um and so we love we love co-writing we love that uh we love to kind of sit down for you know a couple hours and pump out a song and no pre- we always say no pressure no diamonds so we like to kind of give ourselves uh, even when we're making a record we don't usually come in with being like all right we have the ten songs ready usually it's like we have the big idea ready and then from that big idea we write and kind of commission ourselves based on that idea. So um, where did you guys end up tracking the uh, the album? So we were tra- we tracked the album uh, kind of in a, a variety of places. We tracked at a couple of studios in New York, and the majority of the tracking was done in um, Norman, Oklahoma, at a studio called Black Watch, where we mixed the album as well at Black Watch. 
take the conversation a little little bit more towards I'd love to like a lot of our audience is younger worship leaders um, or people way into their guitar gear or they're trying to emulate you know the general popular music that they hear do you have any um, advice for just like a weekend week out worship leader how do they how do they really honor their church how do they get themselves not stuck in just trying to copy whatever they see floating on their social media um, I guess you just have any wisdom for a new worship leader that's trying to really like strike out in their church that's a good question um I mean, for a worship leader, I think the first thing that you're trying to do is trying to pastor them well. And so figuring out what is the, uh, I mean, for certain traditions, the job of the worship leader um, is different things. So depending on the tradition and what your job is on one end is kind of honoring um, if it's to get people to sing, are you doing things that actually are getting people to sing? If it's to get people to have uh, a musical experience that leads them to the next thing, then it's um, in which ways you can be creative and uh, kind of inspire the imagination to uh, do something fresh or new. I think often when you're young, whatever inspires you, uh, you try to imitate which is not a bad thing that's a great thing and it's a form of compliment to whoever you're imitating Hmm. i think learning how to really master your craft helps you make great art um i find that often when people are only imitating and don't actually take risk uh to kind of do their own thing that they kind of uh, can get in a rut as far as being an artist and as a worship leader on one side, you're a worship pastor first. So you're pastoring the people. And on the other side, you are an artist that is trying to inspire the Christian imagination with a different type of view. So within that, I I think it's pushing yourself musically and pushing yourself from um, a lot of different perspectives. And that's one thing is kind of knowing what, what tools you're painting with. You know, if you're in a, if you're a young worship leader or an old worship leader and you're in the wrong type of space trying to play the wrong, like a type of music that you love, but the space doesn't call for it. So you may love, uh, you know, a more driving sound with a lot of electric guitar, or a lot of synths or whatever, but you're in like a small space, it might become a distraction. Sure. However, if you're in, you know, the type of space that uh, can handle more, sometimes it's fun to play around with different mediums and different things to where it brings a fresh sound and, and you can be creative within that. Yeah. You mentioned that it's important to like grow musically. Could you maybe speak a little bit to your journey? What instrument did you start on? You know, what do you play now? How do you like, how have you broadened your, your experience? Yeah, I, I, uh, started off singing, you know, choirs when I was a little kid as well as playing bass guitar. Yeah. And, uh, as a little kid, um, trying to learn how to play an instrument, I grew up in a family with uh, people that also played music sure. kind of all around me, and I would ask for advice, and usually they would just say, sit and learn it. And so you, I used to sit and listen to old records of my parents or else uh, different music that I liked, and I'd learn the bass part exactly, learn every fill, learn everything. And 
kind of learn how to play by ear, mm-hmm. but then also knew that in high school that I needed to, I played in jazz bands, so learned how to read music. Uh, and then, um, you know, in high school, wanted to take it a bit more seriously, so started taking private lessons mm-hmm. uh, with a professor in our city. And uh, from there, um, just always, you know, I started playing guitar and piano and um but for most of it, it's always been something where you surround yourself with people that are better than you. Sure. And you try to um, make sure that you're not dragging anyone down and pull your own weight. And so it's a lot of a lot of practice and playing and hours of listening to music by yourself and trying to emulate, but then also come up with a thing where you yourself are creating hmm. and kind of giving yourself a challenge to do that. Hypothetically, say you're you're on a plane and you sit down next to somebody you never met, and they're like, "So you're a musician," and they ask you that question, like, "So what kind of music do you do?" What would be your answer to that person? That's a great question. You know, I get that question almost every day. <laughs> um, and usually, I say um, we play spiritual music. Um, music that started off, I started playing music at my church and it was liturgical in nature. And then it moved into peacemaking music, which um, dealt with how do we deal with each other from not only Christian to Christian, but uh, human to other human. Um, And so for this record, All Is Not Lost, it's very much coming from a Jesus-centered view on how do I view the other. And how do I deal with that? Um, but our music goes outside of just the church walls as well. So, for instance, you know, on our last record, um, it was nice. We'd walk into like Starbucks or something. And they'd be playing a couple of our songs, um, which is great. We feel like we don't want the music just to be um, only for a certain group of people, but we want it to be for all people. Mm. Oftentimes, language gets that gets difficult with language. Um, because you can kind of put yourself in a corner where you, with your words or your lyrics, which is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a great thing. And other times uh, you want to be able to have something that's um, a bit more generalized, however, can cut just as deep. Um, and so we are trying to learn and grow as songwriters for the church as well as for um, you know, the church outside of, the, outside of the, the walls of the church, but really for the world. Um, for the world, I mean just humanity. Sure. Are you planning to uh, tour with this new album? And if so, like, what would your venues be? Yeah, um, we will tour. We just got off tour with Josh Carroll's, which was really fun. It was a mostly ballroom and like theater tour. And then for uh, we have a little upcoming tour that we're doing um, in New Zealand and in Australia where we'll be playing like some festivals and then a mixture of kind of uh, church house show and like concert venue. Hmm. Um, so for this, uh, we'll probably do some spring shows that are more, um, we usually tend to do for brilliant stuff like ticketed shows um, either at whatever place. And it's more of a show than it is like a, uh, you know, I would never call it like a service or anything. Um, I work at a church on Sunday mornings and I'm a pastor at a church called Trinity Grace Church in 
uh, New York. And so every Sunday I have a lot of respect for um, when I'm leading worship and what I'm doing on a Sunday morning, there's a very specific purpose hmm. that's leading towards the Eucharist and kind of helping um, fall in line with the liturgy and yet hopefully expand it, give it some um, some breath to be able to breathe in and out. Hmm. And uh, on our brilliant stuff, it's more, you know, it's an art piece that... Um, is very spiritual in nature, and it especially came from a place a lot of the songs I sing at my church. Um, but it kind of works hand in hand for us, meaning, um, so I, I have a wife and four kids, and I live in New York, and I, I love our church, and yet in order to live here and do this, I, I need to be able to have the extra income of the brilliance, mm. and yet I don't want to be on the road all the time only touring and be not tethered to something. Um, so for me, it's kind of a relationship that works quite well. Um, however, the people within the brilliance, not all are church people. Um, and I, I, that brings a lot of fresh air and a lot of challenge for me to how I speak about issues that I really care about. I was listening to um, some of your new stuff, and um, one of your songs you have, there's a piece where you break into Morning is Broken, right? Yeah. yeah. How did, how did, that, how did that come about? So a lot of this album, um, I think the two biggest influences on it for this specific album are um, Cat Stevens and Paul Simon. And that's just a lot of listening to music with my kids and what I like my kids to listen to. Um, and so my kids are big Cat Stevens fans. Um, we, uh, I played that song morning is broken at a wedding on brooklyn bridge someone asked me to play that at their wedding and i just fell in love with it i was like man this is such a beautiful song i, I checked it out and cat stevens didn't actually write it it was actually a hymn and i thought man i you know uh this is a song that i don't hear a ton of versions on so i wanted to do that whole song however um in doing that i, I kind of was writing for the record and i wanted to do a song that was about the day the gift of life. So um, I read, uh, I wrote with a guy named Eric Marshall that's got a band called Young Oceans. He's another worship leader at Trinity Grace Church at one of the other parishes. And we're good friends. And we, uh, we sat down together to write. We opened up the Book of Common Prayer and we read this uh, prayer that said, Night has passed and the day lies open. And I, I loved it. So we, uh, we wrote that song together. And then... I knew I, I wanted to kind of have that Cat Stevens song, and I originally wrote the other song in four, and it was a bit moodier. And I really loved that Cat Stevens tune, and so I kind of morphed them together, and I thought this would be kind of a fun bridge to give homage to the Stevens song uh, in 6-8, and yet at the same time have this new song that is uh, a similar vein of gratitude for creation of the day. Hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode. As always, if you could head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us become more visible over there so that we can connect with more worship leaders. And be sure to go over to thechurchcollective.com, hit that contact button. We would love to connect with you and connect you with others. God bless.